and we love that we offer samples of our pecans so that you can actually taste and see. My favorite is the Kiowa. Um, it's a bigger pecan. It's very easy to shell and it has a little bit of a sweeter taste to it. Uh, where someone else's favorite might be the Pawnee. And the Pawnee is a little bit smaller than the Kiowa, also a in shell, a paper shell pecan, so easy to crack and it has a rich buttery flavor. Hello, I'm Jim Fox and welcome to the Lumen Innovation Podcast, where we shine a light on innovation, creativity, entrepreneurship, and the creative people who make our world a better and more interesting place to live. Welcome to the Luminovation Podcast. I'm Jim Fox, and in today's show, we're going to be talking about the crunchy, tasty, yummy goodness of pecans. I'm in Cedar Creek, Texas today, about 25 miles south and east of downtown Austin, Texas. Our guest today is Jennifer Womack. Did I get it? That's correct. Very cool. She is the proprietor of Birdall's Pecans Candy and Gift Company. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. Thank you. All right, I got the name right, but let's uh, let's settle the question everyone's wanting to want to know. Is it pecan or is it pecan? Is it pecan? How, how do you say this thing? Pecan. Pecan. Okay, I'll do my best. I will probably fail, but <laughs> let's uh, let's back up to almost 40 years ago, 1979. Your parents were selling hand shelled and hand sorted pecans out of their garage. How did how did you transition from that to where we are now? Well, um, my parents had pecans. My, my mom was actually pregnant with my twin brother and I. And they had a pecan orchard about three miles off of a main highway. Highway and 71, Highway 71, yeah. correct. And okay. they put signs on the, on the weekends. The highway department allows you to put signs. So they put signs along the highway that said three miles, paper shell, irrigated paper shell pecans. And they could not believe that they actually had customers drive back there. And my mom would weigh them up into bags inside the garage. Uh, when pecans are just producing, you do not produce a whole lot of them. Yeah. So when they sold out uh, that very first season, they couldn't believe they didn't have anything else to sell. So the, that first sale was in 1979, which means that your parents were planning three or four or five years ahead of time um, to th plant the trees. They planted them in 1979. So it was about oh. 1984, 1985 when they had... I see. Custom, okay. They had pecans ready to in shell pecans ready to sell. Okay, and so by that time you were you were already born and kind of two three deep, years old, knee deep into the uh, pecan business. Correct. Very cool. So your dad originally he raised more traditional crops, cattle and row crops and all that. And and how long did it take him to realize that hey, I'm I'm actually kind of missing my opportunity here? Well, he actually uh, his parents had the land down here on the Colorado River bottom, and uh, had cattle and and other farming. And his dad passed away when he was 15 years old. So they had this land, but they had to find a way to pay for this land. So he comes from a family of eight brothers and sisters. Wow, big um, family. Big family, yes. And they um, loved rodeoing, really, was their, what they all loved. And, and the girls uh, raced barrels, and they sold their horses, and they, they had to work to pay for the land. And most of them planted pecan trees. Okay. Um, they knew that the, the land down here on the Colorado River bottom was a good soil for pecan trees. and Pecan trees like river bottoms they or do. river valleys. They yeah. do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, so they, they started and planted 5,000 pecan trees. That's a big investment to do when you know that you're not going to get pecans out of it for yeah. four to six years. So it's a slow start. 
So it's four to six years just to even make any revenue, but correct. probably 10 or 12 before you actually can make a profit, right? That's correct. Okay, yes. that's a long so time. So lots of patience. Yeah, So uh-huh. and you've now got, uh, I realize that the, there's kind of been a split in the, in the business. We'll talk about that in a bit, but there's now, what, over 10,000 or so trees in 15, the orchard? 15,000 trees. 15, that's a lot yes. of trees. It's beautiful. It's really pretty. I went back uh, just behind the business here about a half a mile or a mile or so and, and kind of drove right up to the do not enter signs <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and looked at the pecans. And it is really kind of cool to see, just like any other orchard, where the trees are all in a nice, neat row. And it's kind of cloudy and yucky and wet today, but it was still kind of pretty to see those trees in a row like that. Correct. There's lot. We have lots of people come take pictures in the orchard. I take my family pictures every year in the orchard. I used to jog through the orchard. It's just really, really pretty and very well groomed and taken care of. Yeah. Uh, very well maintained orchard. So about 10 years ago in 2009, uh, your dad decided it was time for him to move on from the business and you had an opportunity to work for someone else, but you had another plan. What, what happened? Uh, well, I have been around this business for a long time. Uh, my brothers and sisters and I used to carry pecans out for customers. We would play on the rooftop of our old store. Uh, my parents just worked, 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 and we were right there along with them. And I've really enjoyed it. Uh, we, my dad was talking to someone else about buying the store, and, uh, and I was still going to be um, a part of it or managing the store, and I thought, I could do this. Uh, I, think I, I think I can do this. Um, so thank goodness my, my husband was in the home building industry and thank goodness he was on board to come and he worked with my dad for a year or two to make sure that he would like it and enjoy it also because it was going to have to be both of us together. Yeah. Full-time effort with everyone on board, right? Yes. Yeah. And, um, so December, the, the, in a month and a half will be 10 years that we have purchased the store from my parents and we love it. Well, that's pretty cool. That's uh, So it's definitely become a family business. You've got a lot of family uh, still employed in the business. Is that right? Um, my husband is next door, and okay. m- uh, my sister-in-law used to manage the store for us. When I had my first child, she worked here, and now they have uh, two another baby coming in about a month and own a sawmill, but she used to be in the business also. Okay, so yeah, we're, we're going to talk about that. Is that the uh, What was one business has kind of, kind of now branched out into two or three different businesses. Talk a bit about how that all split up. And the the Birdall Sawmill. Yeah, the sawmill, and then also the orchards are, are okay. separately owned, yes. right? Uh-huh. So uh, in about five, or, or we, uh, we have owned the store almost 10 years. About five years of us owning the store, my dad was ready. He held on to the orchards, and so my parents still own the pecan orchards. Jared and I own the retail store and about five years in he said okay I'm ready to to be let the orchards go also um and you know it's a it's a he's been doing it a long time and he really really loved what he did but was getting harder especially harvest time um October November and December was just putting really putting a strain on him to be able to continue doing his heart work as hard as what he's like to um so yes, he sold the, my parents sold the, all of the orchards to uh, Pecan Grow Farms okay. is the new company's name. It's still two miles behind our store. And um, they, my dad did consulting with them for several years as they bought the store to help them transition into keeping harvesting and growing um, the same as running the same as he has for many years. And I assume you still have a relationship with that company, and that's where you get all of your pecans, that right? That is correct, yes. Okay. So my husband goes to lunch dur- during the week with um, with the guys at Pecan Grow Farms talking about how the crop is looking, when they're going to harvest, what varieties we're going to have, which ones are going to be good, which ones the quality is not going to be as good, so that we can relay that to our customers and know what's going on. 
So you mentioned the uh, the Bridal uh, sawmill as well. Um, I'm sure there's some some synergy there as well. How how long do trees last before they have to kind of be pulled out and plant new ones in? Are any of the original trees from the this late 70s still active? Oh yes, still most of them are. Still producing? Most of them are. Yes, sir. Okay. We had uh, some Mohawk trees as a variety that my dad planted right when he planted the other uh, initial trees, and those uh, quit producing. So he. He took those out and put in the Pawnee variety, okay. which he feels like is the fastest growing, earliest producing tree. Um, a little bit higher maintenance, though, right? A little on. bit higher maintenance, okay. but a lot. At we the, the Pawnee is our most popular variety for sure. Okay. So then how did the, the sawmill get uh, started? Give it a few minutes on the sawmill Sure. Story. So I, my brother always had an interest in wood. Okay. And uh, he worked some in the orchard and uh, just started really enjoying wood and trees and started out um ha he had his first sawmill in the middle when my d parents still owned the orchard in the middle of the in the orchard he had a um extra barn and so he let my brother use that for his very first sawmill and um he started with only pecan I wonder why yes <laughs> uh however he really has gotten into a lot of different types of wood and he's very 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 particular about size like i think our trees in our orchard that are almost 40 years old are very, very big. And to him, that's nothing. Uh, so he really travels all over the state when someone calls that they have trees that have come down in a storm or a tree that has fallen down because it's old. And uh, they do a lot of correspondence of pictures and, uh, and measuring it to see if it meets the specifications that he, and then he travels to get the wood. I've seen uh, his webpage and seen some of the really, uh, <coughs> really cool things on there that he makes with some of those fallen trees and, and kind of builds a story around him. It's not just a piece of wood, but it's a, it's the third oldest tree in Texas or some silly thing like that. They build a story around it. And then, Correct. then the products that are made with that wood also carry on that story. Correct. That's really kind of neat how it gives the, the artwork a personality in a sense. Right. He used to be a lot into custom building custom tables, building um, custom chairs, lots of different custom things. And he's set back a little bit to just specialize in the more in the wood itself and and let um, the, his consumers put, put in what they want to make. And you said he's about to expand as well? He is. He's putting in his third sawmill. Okay. Uh, that sounds like a whole story on its own we could cover. Uh, speaking of expanding, though, th so this business, the the shop we're in right now, has moved a few times over the years. Talk a bit about those moves and how that's allowed you to expand and grow. Okay. So yeah. my parents' first store was right here, actually where we're sitting, and they had that store. It was a little outside stand, no air, no heat, no running water, uh, a porta potty behind the back, and that is how they started right here on the side of 71. Um, they were only open seasonal, so October, November, and December, because okay. they would sell out. They did not have enough pecans producing in the orchard to give them pecans to have year-round. Um, then several years later, they, they wanted to expand and plant some more trees, so they bought some acreage in Bastrop at the corner of Highway 71 and 304, okay. planted yeah. pecan trees. Just a little bit east of here, 10 or so miles, right? Correct. Okay. Um, they thought that would be a great thing because they were going to have a, put a store on the corner, which was a great location, and then be able to see the trees. You cannot see our current trees from our retail store that we're at, we're at, we are at right now. They thought it would be great for their customer to see the trees from the retail store. 
um, unfortunately, that proved them wrong. The town was growing. Yeah. So this, this Bastrop was growing out. Uh, trees require a lot of maintenance. So a lot of tractors, a lot of irrigating, a lot of spraying. It's hard to do that with a city nearby. It is hard. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, there were, it was loud and some complaints about it being loud. And, you know, they just held on to that for a little bit. They thought what what would be a great thing didn't turn out so great. But they had a great location for the retail store. So they had a retail store in Bastrop at 71 and 304. They operated both locations, both retail stores. And then um, they sold the, the tree, the land where the trees were to a developer Mm -hmm. and kept the retail store. I see. For several years. Uh, It was a great location. Lots of travelers coming through. It was on the other side of the highway. So if our, when our customers were coming, traveling, they, we could catch them coming in on, um, into Austin and then on the way home headed to Houston. So, so we have a lot of listeners in Texas, but of course we have also listeners from all over the country. Uh, highway 71 is not technically an interstate, but it is a major highway in central Texas. It's, it's set up very much like an interstate. It's a deli- divided four-lane highway in, in most areas. So yeah, if, if you're capturing both eastbound and westbound, uh, that is definitely a good thing. So it's not trivial to cross the highway to get to the other side in some cases. Correct. Very cool. Uh, so you guys have, have um, moved and expanded. Uh, any words of wisdom to new business owners out there that they're kind of trying to you know, get into the temptation of, do I expand now, do I not? Uh, have you learned anything about how to expand and when to do it the r- at the right time versus expanding too quickly? Um, I feel like we've done, uh, I'm, we're pretty cautious people. My parents are, I am. We've, we have expanded, uh, but pretty slow over years but in a pretty slow process yeah but you're um, doing something right with nearly 40 years in business there are a lot of businesses that uh, that start up and then two years later they're struggling and um, I think another thing that has been a learning process for me is to not make big changes so as we took over uh, bought the business 10 years ago uh, we had a lot of customers going what are you going to do different what are you going to do different and my main goal was to not do a whole lot different what what my parents had done for so long uh, had worked and uh, my main goal was to keep it in the family. Don't screw it up, right? Don't screw it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. I understand. What's your biggest fear with that? Is there is there some overriding fear of like, oh my God, this is a legacy I've got to protect, or what is? Do you have like a, a like a, a thing that keeps you up at night with this? I like to keep my parents happy. Okay, I think is really the main, yeah. and that's a they start uh, starting a business is the hardest. What do they say in what in the first year? How many? There's a statistic. Yeah, it's hard. Of how many businesses close? within the first year. And, uh, I mean, we still, my husband and I still go to my parents for advice. I wondered if they were still in the loop and, uh, and, uh, I assumed that surely they were. Oh, my dad called me this morning to tell me that my big sign was going too fast. I need to slow the letters down some. So yes, they're always, uh, on, on the lookout or if my mom, my mom said, I think your catalog this year is the best catalog I've ever seen. Um, before the catalog went to print, I gave it to her to look over to okay. see if she had any um, suggestions, or you know, uh, my dad calls me when I leave here to bring to bring him peachy pecan, peachy peach halves. Uh, at <laughs> Thanksgiving, cool. we make sure that we have a pecan pie. And there's lots of you know when we're all together as a family. I have a, a brother and a sister, and we each have. I have three kids, and my sister has three kids, and my brother's going to have his third here in a month. Uh, but there's lots of talk about birdall sawmill, and there's lots of talk about birdall pecans. That's that's cool. It keep, keeps the family together and keeps you guys uh, gives you some. Good stories to reminisce with. Sure. Definitely a, a good thing. What have you noticed over the years? Um, 
Let me let me back up a bit. So you, we, we've talked about pecans, but you sell tons of candied pecans with white chocolate and brown chocolate and all sorts of things. There's probably 20 or 30 or 40 different food products you sell here. What have you noticed over the, the last 40 years of food trends that have changed with kind of now there's the gluten-free, the health kicks, all of this kind of stuff. What have you noticed about that over the years? It's funny that you say that. Um, there's lots of health kicks. Yeah. However, our... Our sweet pecans is what, and our chocolates is what's going to sell. Yeah, that's right. So I, I go back and forth. We, we just ca- uh, this year just came out with a sweet habanero pecan, just to give our customers some a different option that mm-hmm. we've had. You know, customers want different options. Habanero and jalapeno have kind of taken the world by storm in the last ten or so years, right? Ha- uh, yes, and Certainly pumpkin in Texas. spice. Uh, pumpkin yeah. is a big thing. So pumpkin pies with pecan streusel topping we make now. Pumpkin spice, pecan brittle, is a big one. Um, I kind of tinker with going back to more like gluten-free, um, healthy, but pecans themselves, plain pecan, raw pecan halves are very, very healthy. Yeah. So uh, to answer your question about, about flavors, um, as much as, as we want, would like, you know, we see we need to eat healthy. Let's have the roasted and salted, or let's have this. Once you taste those honey glazed and chocolate pecans. There's really no turning back. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely good. No question. I was actually, while I was preparing some of my notes for this, I was actually eating some of Burdell's pecans that I bought on the vending machine a few uh, weeks ago. Yes, So def- Definitely good. Talk about the uh, the process of bringing new products online. Our, uh, you know, we, we went a few minutes ago and went and saw your big industrial kitchen, but I suspect that some of the recipes start in your home kitchen. Is that right? How do the, how do the original, uh, what is the start of a new recipe, a new product? Lots of trial and error. Um, we, so so for example, my mom actually, our cinnamon sugar was our very first pecan that she made in our kitchens. And we, we laughed so hard because my teachers from elementary school are still customers of ours and they come in and they say, I remember when your mom was starting cinnamon sugar pecans and she brought us different ones to taste to see which ones she liked, which ones we liked. And then I remember when you guys started roasted and salted pecans and she brought me different little tubs and said, which one tastes better? Uh, so we do the same thing with our like sweet habanero that we just came out with, um, sugar-free cinnamon glazed pecans. We came out with, with just a couple years ago okay. and lots of big weekends that we have. Our store's the busiest on the weekends with lots of travelers. And just all weekend, we have pen and paper and my staff is asking customers their feedback. Is this one too salty? Is this one too hot? So you're doing testing with the customers with basically free samples and say, here's a free one, but I want information back. Yes. Got it. That's Perfect. What I'm, that's, that's our goal is to keep our customers happy and, and to have a product that they really like. Yeah, and I, I did kind of the same thing with uh, Pizometry, the, the sponsor of, of the show, is that when I was coming up with that, I, I took it to a local Starbucks and just started sit down as though I was a customer. I just started, sat down and started playing. And other people would come around and say, hey, what is that? And I would kind of kind of take over a Starbucks and, and get information from people to play with it so that's awesome that's kind of best feedback yeah it is absolutely and it's uh it's kind of honest feedback because they don't really have a stake in the game it's not like they're being paid or anything it's just like right they either tell you it's great or it sucks and it's it's honest either way so right that's definitely a good thing what are some of the products that uh uh, lessons learned i guess that you launch a new product you think it's going to be great and then it doesn't sell or it it doesn't become the hit that you think it might or you have any stories stories like that um pecan wise not really uh, we did try in in the summer. We have Fredericksburg peaches for our travelers coming back and forth, and uh, we tried to do a peach cobbler, and we thought it was great. Our customers thought it was great, 
and so we start we had lots of sample sampling make sure you like this and they did and we tried it and it would flat not sell wow and we also tried cookies we tried pecan cookies just to give a different uh, a different product you know we have pecans we have pies but we tried pecan cookies we thought it would be a little bit less expensive than a one pound bag of pecans something to pick up and go Sure. Yeah. And um, th- those are, are what I say. I would say is my two products that. Any guess why they didn't work? Me. Any? Did you get any feedback that says that this doesn't work because um, of? I've, we're a pecan store. Yeah, that's right. People are I coming really, for the core people product. People are coming for pecans. Yeah. Do you? How do you do uh, uh, quality control? How do you? How do you ensure that 100% of what you're putting across the counter is exactly what you want to put across the counter? Lots of tasting uh, before the product is exact. Like we, um, lots of tasting by myself, my husband, uh, my staff. Uh, I was kind of amazed that when we were out at the warehouse a few minutes ago that every single pecan that comes through this place is looked at one by one by a staff. It is. Either it's after it's shelled or before it's shelled or in the process of it being cracked. Every, every single pecan is looked at. Someone's eyes and hands are laid on every single one. That's amazing because of the quantities you guys go through here. How many pounds of pecans do you go through a, a year? A little over 600,000 pounds 600, of in shell pecans. 600,000 pounds. Just mm-hmm. imagine how many dump truck full of pecans it is. It's, <laughs> it's a, a ton. Lot. It's a ton of pecans. It's a lot. And about half of them, our business is very seasonal. It's a pecans uh, right now here in the fall and winter. That's what people are baking. They're yeah. cooking. They're cracking, they're watching football games, they're sitting by the fire, and they're cracking and shelling. So about half of those pecans, in-shell pecans, are sold in October, November, and December. Wow, that's uh, definitely a ton. Uh, this is our kind of our first cold snap of the, the fall here in Texas, in central Texas. It's maybe 50 degrees or so out. And uh, for those of us wimps down south, that's kind of cold. <laughs> but for you, that's actually a, a really good thing. <laughs> it's a great thing. that Once that little fall weather comes and it's cool outside... It, pecans just come into everybody's mind. Absolutely. You get the pies and it, the, the whole holiday spirit comes in. How many pies do you guys sell a year? About 20,000. 20,000 pies. <laughs> our cooks are qu- are quite busy. <laughs> Ever thought about selling uh, selling or, or accumulating the recipes into a recipe book, the Bertol's recipe book? Has that been a thing? Um, we haven't. And honestly, the, the reason why is our pie recipe is extremely simple. It is the recipe on the side of a Cairo syrup bottle. Okay. Uh, we use half dark Cairo and half light Cairo and lots and lots of extra really good pecans. Wow. So we're very honest about that. If, if someone asks for our pecan recipe, that's what it is, our Love pie. It. And it's, uh, it's very simple, but we make sure that we use extra pecans and that they're the new crop. We're very particular about only using this crop's pecans, so we will never mix one crop from another. I see. Okay. That's, that's kind of amazing, though, that you, you think of an, a new business coming along, that they're doing something unique and special. And you guys are. You're doing it in, in customer care and all of those things. But your product itself is kind of anyone can do it, right? You're right. That's, that's kind of amazing. That's, <laughs> that's really cool. It, the, the secret to success is not really a secret. <laughs> no, it's, pretty, it's simple. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, talk about, you mentioned uh, Pawnee and a few of the other varieties. What are what are some of the different varieties of uh, pecans that you guys grow here, and what are the differences? Why sure. why choose one over the other? Well, there's th- actually thousands of varieties of pecans, and a lot uh, do not know that. I did not know that about peaches until we sold peaches here in our store. There's different varieties of peaches. So there's thousands of varieties of pecans um, in our orchard. 
there are about five varieties and uh, I will, I'll tell you each one and kind of the difference in them. And we love that we offer samples of our pecans so that you can actually taste and see. My favorite is the Kiowa. Um, it's a bigger pecan. It's very easy to shell and it has a little bit of a sweeter taste to it. Uh, where someone else's favorite might be the Pawnee. And the Pawnee is a little bit smaller than the Kiowa. Also a in shell, a paper shell pecan, so easy to crack. And it has a rich buttery flavor. Um, a lot of the Pawnees are used for for cooking because that rich buttery taste. Mm -hmm. um, and then it's a great one just to snack on. And yeah, Pawnee is one of them that you commonly just put in bags to sell as just raw pecans, right? Correct. It's our most popular yeah. pecan. And it's no coincidence that uh, many of the varieties you mentioned are named after Indians or Indian tribes. That is right. Pecans have been a part of the Texas heritage before Texas has been a part of the Texas heritage. That is right. Yeah, it's been around for a very long time, and, and the natives used it for all sorts of things. So uh, Choctaw is another really popular variety. We just actually got those in the store on Friday. So we've had a lot of people waiting for the – when you get stuck on a, a variety that you love, you kind of only want that variety. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we had a lot of rain. For like seven to ten days it rained. So our varieties – are a lot later this year. The Pawnees were in before that rain came. Okay. But the Choctaws and Kiowas and Cheyennes and Wichita's or other varieties, those were all still on the trees when all of that rain came. Wow. So even though it rains for just seven days, we still have to let it dry to be able to get into the orchard yep. and harvest them. So everything's pushed back a little bit, but we have some happy campers that we have the Choctaws in. Very cool. Yeah, that's that's got to be neat. Talk about the process of harvesting. Is it is that manual or well, or is it somehow a machine that does that? Uh, lots of machines. For harvesting, uh, we, they have blowers that go through and like and put out the leaves and the sticks from the pecans. Um, they have shakers that actually go around the trunk of the tree and shake it. I've seen that with other fruits, but I didn't realize that's how pecans are done. Uh, and it has a big tarp. Uh, we didn't. I when I was growing up in the pecan orchard, my el in elementary school, we would come to field trips in the pecan orchard, and we m my dad didn't have the machine that had the big tarp. So they would shake the tree and all the pecans would fall on the Food ground. labor. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Um, lots of grabbing, lots of picking up pecans and buckets. But now they have a big tarp okay. that catches the pecans. Uh, and the pecans, once they're harvested, they have to go through quite a process of getting the whole, which is the green part, off of the pecan. And mm -hmm. then they have to go into drying bins to dry them. That's one thing we didn't see back in the processing is how does the hull come off? Because just like walnuts, if you try to do that by hand, your ha your hands are all yucky and oily and black and green and all kinds of weird colors. How does that happen with you guys? Um, that, that actually happens down in the pecan orchard. Okay. And the, and the drying bins happen. Uh, the drying bins are in the orchard also. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. So pecans, I think, are the only uh, commercial commercially grown tree nuts in the state of Texas, or at least the only significant one. Have you guys thought about maybe trying to grow other things like hickory nuts or walnuts or anything? No. Not even? No. Nope. You, you know where your business We're is? We're staying with pecans. Very good. Okay. Do you, do you know if any of those others would grow here? Have you? Do you have any idea? I don't. Honestly, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. I, I just we have that. the same thing in the, in the store. We have a lot of customers ask for um, walnuts or cashews or and we say we're a pecan store. Well, <laughs> people don't realize that cashews are not actually a nut in the traditional sense. They don't they don't grow like a, a walnut or a hickory nut or a pecan. Right. Yeah, they're kind of a whole other animal. Totally, totally different.
Let's break out of the program here for a few seconds to give a shout out to our sponsor, Puzzometry, the hardest puzzle you'll never solve. If you love working on challenging, unique, and beautiful mechanical puzzles, then you've just got to try Puzzometry. P-U-Z-Z-O-M-E-T-R-Y, Puzzometry.com. They have three different puzzles to choose from, and all are for sale at Puzzometry.com. Check it out. You'll be glad that you did. Puzzometry can also be found on Twitter and Facebook. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Loom Innovation Podcast, where we shine a light on innovation. Before we get back to the program, I want to let you know that you can find all of the episodes of the Loom Innovation Podcast on our webpage, LoomInnovation.com. That's L-U-M Innovation.com. LoomInnovation.com. We are also on iTunes as well as SoundCloud.com. Talk about, uh, so like most orchards have to go out and get uh, bees to pollinate, but pecans don't pollinate that way. Talk a bit about the process of how pecans make baby pecans. So pecans, um, they, they can pollinate with different trees. Uh, my dad is a big believer in that tree. There's so much pollination in Central Texas that trees, pecan trees, do not need another variety to cross-pollinate. Uh, if you were to plant a, like, Choctaw nut and a tree might grow, uh, but it would not grow as the Choctaw. It would grow as a native tree. Uh, all of our trees in our orchard, and, and the we sell uh, trees here, ba- baby trees, have been grafted. Yeah, and that's true for almost every fruit tree that anyone buys at Home Depot or at a local nursery or anything. Yeah. Right. If it's not a native, then it's been grafted into particular variety yeah and if you plant the nut or the, the seed of most fruits what you'll end up with is the rootstock right right got it okay exactly. okay so so everything you all of your orchard and all the stuff you sell is is all grafted correct and got it and that ensures you get good quality rootstock and good quality fruit producing upper right. parts very cool and so is there is there part of that that you kind of really just got to, you know got into like totally becoming a tree nerd have you just like really totally studied it or is it just kind of you've always known it and always been around it um i've o- i only know what i've heard my dad talk about for 40 years or 30 years i'm 36 years old so i i've everything i know i've really learned from him i but haven't studied it i give when when someone has a question about trees i tell them what my dad has taught me um, but that's a really long classroom session. That's right? a long class. Yes. That's a lot of learning. <laughs> it's, a, to it's a lot of info. Yeah, that definitely is. Back in 2011, 2012 time frame here in Texas, uh, especially central Texas, but, but in fact all of Texas, there was a major, major drought, um, historical drought here, and it, it dried up all the rivers, dried up all the creeks, uh, caused a ton of forest fires just right here in this part of Texas, just a few miles east of here. You can still drive through and see the charred remains of old trees. How much of a threat did not only the fires cause, but also the droughts? How did you guys handle that? Well, we irrigate a lot, but there's nothing better than the good a good rain. Um, so it does affect crop years when we don't have a lot of rain. You're not going to have as many pecans. Um, but we, with the irrigation, we're still we still have good good years. Okay. The fires now, thank goodness, they were. Quite a ways away from us. Well, but there's some that's, you know, 10 or so miles, which, uh, you know, I guess if you're walking 10 miles is a long way. But when there's right. hundreds and hundreds of acres of fire, I'm sure you guys are starting to worry. It's like, uh-oh, here, there goes our trees, right? Not good. Yeah. That's um, I've seen, on the opposite of talking about fires in, on, in cold, they have standby helicopters 
that come in. Um, I, we, I've seen that several times since the new owners of the pecan orchard and then growing up nights that there would be freezes coming. My dad would have standby helicopters and all night long he's up and down checking the temperature to see if he's going to have a helicopter fly. Cause if it, one freeze can ruin your whole crop. Yeah, and, and you, you hear that, I guess I hear about that most of the time in Florida with the orange crop, and they go way out of their way to minimize or prevent the damage from that. And mm-hmm. uh, you, you guys definitely have to worry about Mother Nature. Uh, it's definitely, it's definitely, a big risk. Yeah, definitely a big factor. Absolutely. Talk briefly a bit, uh, I guess you already did cover a little bit of how the, how the nuts are, are pulled off the tree and separated. Um, is there anything we left out of that process? You you kind of haul them off of the tree and bring them into the processing factory. They have to dry. Okay, and talk about some things. of the other areas you've got over in the processing building next door. Um, so uh, pecans have to be graded in the shell before they can go anywhere in our warehouse. They are uh, they run they run through a machine that is picked by two people that are watching for pecans with cracks and then they also run through a camera system that are sorting them based on their weight so if a pecan is very full of meat it's going to go into the this particular bag if pecan is not as full of meat then it's going to go into another bag based off of that my uh, my husband next door decides in the warehouse if we're going to crack those pecans shell those pecans or if we're going to sell them as in shell, if they're full of meat, the cameras go through and see if they're full of meat, then they're a good pecan to, to sell in the shell or crack. So the camera is using infrared or something to basically yes. look inside the nut? Correct. Okay, very cool. And I noticed also big, huge tubs. I guess they were cloth fabric tubs that are um, dumpster-sized things full of the shells. What do you do with those? How do those get super sac- We have big white super sacks full of pecan shells. We actually donate a lot of them to the Zilker Botanical Gardens. Okay. And then we sell them. Uh, for mulch and for barbecuing. Ah, very cool. So those of you listening that have maybe never been to Austin, one, get to Austin. And two, Zilker Park is is kind of an amazing park right in the middle of downtown Austin. It's uh, it's really cool. So I'm I'm glad that glad to hear that you guys are are helping out the botanical gardens here at Zilker Park. It's definitely a cool place to go visit. The story we're in now is about 120 foot long by about 50 feet long, right? So it's a really really big store. You've got not just pecans here, but you've got all sorts of uh, gifts. I'm, I guess I'm, we're just sitting here in the thing. I'm looking around. There's tons of Texas-themed gifts, um, magnets, or refrigerator magnet, magnet kind of things, postcards, coffee cups, tons of pecan and pecan-themed items. Uh, what are some of the more unique things that you're particularly proud of here that are not pecan-related, that, that the gift store side of things? Um, lots of souvenirs. We, we like to ha- be able to represent our, our state that everybody loves. Yep. Um, lots of souvenirs, lots of jams and jellies that a, a lot of times are actually paired with pecans also. Are those made here? Uh, they're not. Okay. No, those are all brought in. Okay. And we're very particular about companies that we purchase from. We like to try to support family businesses like we do uh, in that we have lots of jams and, like I said, jams and jellies and honeys. We make our own fudge. It's not with some of it has pecans in it. Um, okay. We have lots of tourists, so we have kid toys that we like to offer. Yeah, you've got a really unique location here. Um, you're kind of out in the middle of nowhere here on Highway 71, but you've got a big, huge, hundred foot tall sign, which is we'll talk about that in a bit of how that came about. But you've also got this big, fourteen or fifteen foot tall scroll called Mrs. Pearl. Talk about Mrs. Pearl. Uh, so Miss Pearl, Miss Pearl, Miss Pearl is her name. And she was named by our customers. 
we let them, we, we put out a poll of options for her name and we thought that fit her very well. Uh, Miss Pearl, we were actually on a beach trip driving and my husband and I were talking about how to increase business and he said, we need something really big yeah. when you drive by, you can't miss and you want to take your picture with. That's exactly, that's why I brought that up because the, you're out here in the middle of nowhere where seemingly you maybe wouldn't have much customers, but you have a ton of customers and it's partly because the big sign, you've got the squirrel, it's a tourist attraction in a sense. Right. Yeah. Go ahead with, with that. How did that develop then? Um, so I said, we need a tree. I said, let's get it, let's get a big tree and they, p- p- we can have customers stop and climb it look at it and my husband looked at me like and someone fall off and break their arm we don't we don't need to do that <laughs> don't need that yeah so people don't fall off squirrels no <laughs> not yet okay good so he said how about a big squirrel and i said what are they going to do with the with the squirrel take their picture with it smile with it so we started looking um at ideas and talking about different ideas and we contacted a, a company in austin that we had seen making very large Items and uh, they said, "Sure, it's it's easy. You t- you find a mold of what you would like, and you tell us how how much larger you want it to be, and we'll make it for you." And you just decided to make the world's largest squirrel. That's correct. And this is the biggest. It one, went right? through a lot of squirrels because we uh. we bought a lot of squirrels went to you know, stores, Hobby Lobby, Michaels, anywhere. We ordered a bunch of squirrels. And we set them in the store and let our customers look at them and tell us which one look when lo- some look like chipmunks, some look like, and so this one looked like a squirrel. So w- do you remember what the genesis of this one is? Where is the mold made from? What? You uh, we ha- we used to have the mold. I think we broke her foot, and I don't know if we still have it. We have to. Look. We used to take her around, and, like take pictures of her at different places that we went. Uh, but we can't. So Blue Genie is the company in Austin. Okay. Um, and she's made, Miss Pearl is made out of foam and, um, she used to be sitting on a big stump and we thought that you would stand in front of the stump and take your picture. Well, we had people jumping up onto the stump to take their picture and then hang from her. Oh, so we now, we built a, um, <coughs> little deck around her where you can walk up the stairs and, and her name is Miss Pearl and we have Miss Pearl mugs and magnets and And a webpage. And a web page. The squirrel has its own webpage. The squirrel has our webpage. What is the webpage for Miss Pearl? Birdallsquirrel.com. Birdallsquirrel.com. <laughs> you uh, can upload your picture, so take your picture and upload your picture to her website. Very cool. And uh, is there a hashtag or anything that goes along with that? Do you do any? Do Just hashtag Miss Pearl. There you go. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. So as much as the squirrel is a part of your brand, people stop from miles around from all over the country to take a picture by the squirrel and hopefully come in and buy some pecans. Squirrels are bad for orchards. How do you control wildlife and squirrels out in the trees? Um, we relocate them. It's a nice way to put them. (laughs) Is there any uh, hunting involved in this? A little bit. (laughs) Okay. It's totally okay. Uh, But yeah, I'd wondered about that because not only squirrels, but birds and some other wildlife is definitely uh, a detriment to business. There's a lot of crows. Okay. And they actually have cannons that do not shoot the crows, but just shoot off noise to scare the crows away. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, online sales. You guys do a ton of online sales. Talk a bit about that process. How did I mean? Or you have this business has grown up through the dot com era. Uh, how how did that kind of come to life? Yeah. So uh, shipping is a big is a big part of our business, and we've had to just keep up with the times on shipping. Um, we I used to put a lot more uh, money into my catalogs and my marketing materials, and now I kind of transition that 
into our website every year. I'm needing to do upgrades to it or making ordering easier from it, um, putting our products on Google, putting our products on Amazon. It's a whole effort and just keep ahead of the digital stuff. Mm -hmm. Social it's, media. It's tough, yeah. Um, it, my brother and I have a lot of conversations about social media in, in our business and don't feel like that it really brings in a whole lot of customers, but it's something that you have to do. Yeah, it's, it is so weird. I've, I've talked to other people about that, and I've done some of that myself. Is it, there's so many eyes out there watching Facebook, watching, watching Twitter, watching Instagram. That It's not hard to go and put your product in front of a few thousand eyes, but it is hard to do, or at least hard to measure how effective that is at turning those into dollars. Very true. It's, it is, it is but definitely you can't, hard. You have to, but you have to do it. Yes. Because if, if, if you don't, at the very least, people will go to a website to look for a phone number to call you. And if you don't have that presence, then you've lost that customer. Right. Um, I spend a, a lot of night hours posting to to social media because I have to have something. We, we have a calendar that you can organize it but and, and do it ahead of time. But so many in our business, so many exciting things happen in a day that I'm not going to, I don't know last week that was going to happen today. Like For example, I'm going to go next door when we're finished and, and do some videos of the shelling. Okay. Um, and then they're going to weigh up pecan shells because we sold out this weekend. Wow. So I'm going to do a video of that. And you know, I can't plan for that. So there's a lot of social media you can plan ahead of time. And then a lot of it you just have to do on a day-to-day -day basis. How long ago did online sales first start? Do you remember when that uh, when you first did your, your dot-com sale approximately? Um, probably about 12 or 13 years ago. Okay. And you were doing mail order before yes. before it was web-based mail Correct. order. Okay. All all hand written. We took orders over yeah. the phone, handwritten. We typed in every single address going shipping UPS on the one address at a time. Yep. And now it's very automated. I mean any any little item in in here in the retail store, pecan related or not, I can in my point of sale system, I can click a button and put a picture and put it onto our website. Very cool. That's uh, that's definitely handy. I've done a bit of that again with the pisometry stuff, and it's that's not a a trivial effort as well. It's something you just kind of kind of wrap your head around and figure out how to do it and do it efficiently. Right, that's and and it's something you have to really keep up with. Also, uh, inventory and yeah. stock. You don't want someone going to your webpage trying to order something and it not be in stock. Right. Yeah. So uh, unlike the uh, the Sears catalog, you guys still have a catalog business that is alive and well, right? You you still do a lot of catalogs as well as online. Correct. And how do you how do you I guess market those differently? How do you how do you send a catalog out to someone that you think will probably not be on the web page? Um, well, we take name. We we send a catalog to. I just sent out fifty eight thousand catalogs. We send one a year every October, and we send our catalog to anyone that has signed in our store that we have a, a sign sheet in our store that they would like to receive uh, either email blasts from us or um, a hand catalog, a um, printed catalog. We send one every October, so we don't send a lot of mail. And um, we get just we want to get in front of someone that would be interested in pecans. So we don't buy list. Okay. Um, we just send to, to people that have ordered with us or have been sent to as a gift or someone that has signed up in our store that they want to receive our product. And doing it October is uh, just in time it's for the holidays. So, it's a so we have our catalog ready and done. So when we have our new crop pecans in, we drop our catalogs in the mail. I see. Okay. So that when, and, and this is the way we've been doing it for you know, 30 years, we want our customers to know when you get that catalog in the mail, you can, you can call order. 
and you can order and you know that it's going to be the fresh grappa cons and no back orders it's uh you they're ready when you order it you're good to go this is the as long uh, as the weather has cooperated with us like for example our catalog is out now but i don't have the kiowas and the cheyennes and and the wichita's because of the rain but they will be soon right they will be soon and we have the other varieties with this being the loom innovation podcast let's talk about some innovation you've done here one uh actually the the whole reason why i'm here is because a few weeks ago at midnight literally midnight on a friday night i was tooling on down 71 and i stopped and bought some pecans out of the vending machine are you the creator of the vending machine my dad and i Okay, talk about that process of innovating a brand new vending machine to sell pecans 24 hours a day and pecan pies, too. It's awesome. I love it. It's like my fourth child, my vending machine. Uh, We won't tell the other three kids. No. no. (laughs) Um, So the vending machine, uh, right when my husband and I were buying the store, um, we we lived in Austin, and I I love to work. I'm like a workaholic. I can tell that because all of the emails I get from you are like at 1230 in the morning. (laughs) That is correct. Uh, So I love my children and I love to work. So my children are first and my work is that night. Um, But I said to my dad, dad, I, you know, we close, we're open nine to seven every day. And I said, I just can't stand it that I have to close the door and customers are still pulling up. They want our product and I'm ready to go home. Um, so I knew, you know, in several years, I, my husband, and I just got married and that we would start a family and I would not be able to stay here all hours of the night. So I said, how about we do some kind of vending machine? And, um, as our big sign, you know, is very large. My, uh, my parents started this business and my dad likes everything in a large way. So he said, we can, well, let's try to do something, but nothing can be smaller than what we currently sell. So all of our pecans are packed in large, our pies are big, a big nine inch deep dish pie. Yeah. Our pecans, we don't sell in a bag smaller than one pound. It's a lot, it's way, it's a lot bigger than a small Cheetos bag or Doritos bag that you normally see in a vending machine. So we went to several de- vending machine places. Most people uh, were told, told us, you've got to have something smaller. And we didn't give up and we just kept trying and trying. I, we took loads and loads and loads of product to a company in Buda. And tested it to see, and they thought the weight, that it might weigh too much, that it might be too heavy for the coils. And um, honestly, the machine was not custom made. We just had to keep on it and and keep trying and get coils that were wider that our one-pound bags would fit down in. And so, and it had to be refrigerated because it's hot in -hmm. the summer. Uh, We put this first vending machine on our porch of our retail store. And so we had that machine, I think, six years. Okay. And it was really just a snack vending machine. We just had to find a company that would work with us and not give up on us that to help us find coils that were big enough to put our product in. Well, I can tell you, it is kind of an amazingly cool thing. Uh, uh, one of those only in Texas things where at midnight on a Friday, you can go to a vending machine. You can buy a f- an entire pecan pie. I bought one that night at when I was driving through with the intent uh, to take it to my coworkers on Monday. But I... I don't know if I'm willing to admit or not, but it may or may not have made it to work. Uh, <laughs> that happens. <laughs> it, it may not have made it to work at all, in fact. But it's definitely cool to have the ability to buy pecan pies and pecan candy and, and raw pecans at a vending machine all hours of the day. We'll have to watch our cameras. We have cameras on the machine. So we, we see, especially those midnight purchase, midnight and after purchases, we see quite 
some funny things going on at the vending machine. Give us an example if, if you can do these that are friendly for the radio. Oh, just dancing, just oh, okay. being silly. And, okay. and most the, most cannot know that there's a camera there, but dancing or getting their product out of the machine and then celebrating or taking their picture with it. And it's, that's, it's definitely it's fun. A, definitely and a cool that's, thing. Ki- that's another thing you asked about what kind of keeps us going. Um, hearing stories and getting pictures on our Facebook and our Instagram of someone at midnight or two or three in the morning um, by actually buying our product out of our vending machine um, is so um, gratifying that kind of keeps you working hard yeah, going, right. you know, we're really making people happy and that's what we're here to do. And we have, we have another machine now. We just going to ask you about that. Yeah. In, another um, one in town. So yeah. it's in, it's a mile from my house and I've had lots of shopping centers reach out to us about having machines and uh, a machine, you know, does most of the work itself, sure. but you still have to check it. You've got to fill it. Refill it yeah. We've got lots, you, you know, you have lots of things that go into it. Um, so I, I said, I'm not doing, a, I don't need any more to do. If I do another machine, it's got to be somewhere close to us. So it's a mile from my house and I get a report at eight o'clock every night on, on what was sold. So it's, all, it's automated, the, the machine somehow emails you and says, yes. I've sold so many things. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I know when I need to go refill this afternoon, I've got to go fill it up with pies. Um, and this time of year is a, a you know busy time for pies. And I should say about, we used to be closed on you know, Thanksgiving. We have coming up here really soon. And we used to be closed on Thanksgiving. And so my husband and I would fill the vending machine. The vending machine holds 10 chocolate pies and 10 just regular traditional pies. Okay. So we would come several times throughout Thanksgiving Day and fill the machine with pies. And I, I came to fill it, and there was not one parking spot. Wow. There, but the li- everyone that was parked was in the line for the machine. I called my husband. I said, I'm not coming back home. I'm opening the store. I stood behind the counter and sold pecan pies all day long. That's amazing. That's a good problem to have. But, of course, it's taking you away from family things. But, uh, but definitely, that's a, that's a cool thing to cool problem to have so you you innovated on pies and the machine that's just crazy uh what is the next step what's the next cool thing of innovation you're doing here to to kind of move on to the to the next phase um next door in our warehouse um we've had to automate some some of our packaging to just to keep up with with our new accounts and and the products that are going out the door so automation of the packaging machines um, I think next year we'll probably do some automation of um, our grading in shell pecans and keep just keeping up with the technology. Yeah, lots of lots of tech. And you lots mentioned earlier that some of the machines are a couple hundred thousand bucks to buy those things, huh? For sure. That that definitely adds up. How do you, uh, you know, there's, there's people out there with uh, ideas of products and maybe even small businesses. How do you go from having your own store to working with another business to get your products in their store. Now, you've got some relationships with Bucky's and a, and a grocery store chain here in Texas called HEB. Um, how, how does that happen? How do, what words of advice can you give to a new business mm-hmm. owner out there trying to crack that nut? Um, don't give up. Okay. I tried so hard to get into Bucky's for years and years and years, and I never could get my foot in the door um, until they opened their Bastrop store. And so they came ready about their Bastrop store is about 10, 15 miles from us. And they came and said they wanted, just wanted to put us in their Bastrop store. And I said, oh my goodness, I've been trying for years to get in any of your stores. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be love to get into your Bastrop store. Um, and three months later, I'll never, f- so we, we got into their Bastrop store, started small and that's perfectly fine. Uh, I'll never forget. I was at the beach in June 
and my, one of my managers, Abby, called me, and she said she's worked for with us for nine years, and she said, Jennifer, are you sitting down? And I said, what happened? Um, she said, Bucky's called, and they want you in all of their mega stores. Oh, my. I just cried. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a, that's a uh-huh. huge order. So people that are listening that are not from Texas, you've probably never heard of Bucky's, and you're missing out. <laughs> Bucky's is... I mean, the, the closest thing you can say is it's a it's a 7-Eleven on steroids, but that is entirely not correct. It, it is the size of a large Walmart that sells Slurpees and Cokes and candy and food and clothes. And it's 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 a convenience store, but it's it's the size of a Walmart and with about 100 gas gas pumps out front. It's That's a huge purchase. And there's, I mean, it's a huge order. And there's 20 or 30 of those big Walmart-sized Buckies in the state, maybe. Right. So. Right. We're in, yes, and we're in all the, mega, the their largest stores. Um, so I, to, to me, um, don't give up. Okay. Definitely, uh, definitely good advice. Cause I know there's people out there with products that are like, man, if I could only get this in Walmart or if I could get this in Bucky's or if I can get this in to Kroger. Um, so yeah, that's, that's just that's cause they told you, you know, a year ago that they wouldn't try in six months, try another six months and send samples and call early and call late call at all times to the point of annoyance right Correct. (laughs) absolutely (laughs) make them love your product well you've got uh, i don't know how many employees you've got here but you've got uh, 20 or so probably out in the warehouse and a a few here running the store what is uh, some words of advice for business owners out there about how to hire employees how to keep employees how to keep employees happy Uh, talk a bit about that how what's it like to be a manager of employees okay um i think the biggest thing we we are very lucky to have a great staff that have been with us for a long time and uh, every morning I I know what I'm going to do I'm very I try to be very organized and know what I'm going to do but before I start I walk around I say hello to every single one of my staff members I saw that today when we were going through the warehouse you were you called people by name and said hi how are you and I think it's very important um to to have your staff enjoying what they're doing to feel appreciated um, my staff works really hard and they work a lot of overtime when, when it's needed and they don't have to. Mm-hmm. So to us, um, little things mean a lot. Uh, for example, lunch to buy them lunch one day means a lot, uh, yeah. to give them a pecan pie for Thanksgiving, to give them chocolate strawberries that we make here in the store for Valentine's little things go a long way. And to, to ask about their family, to ask about their day, um, to realize that they don't, they have other things going on than just work, uh, and acknowledge that and visit with them about that. And in your case, many of them are family, but but in in the other cases, you treat them like family. We try, we try our best to, because they're very. Yeah. We could not do, we could not run our business without them. So you want to have good people working for you. Definitely good, good advice. Any, uh, any. We talked earlier about some mistakes maybe on recipes or, or product ideas that didn't work, but any business mistakes that you, maybe someone else can learn from of some things you tried that didn't work out the way you would like? Um, that's a, a great question, and that actually has just come up this year. Uh, I, like I mentioned about a lot of overtime, so my husband had a big conversation. This year we're not being our, working overtime is a great thing uh, for our staff. You get you know, a time and a half and are and for us also they already know what they're doing so you don't have to retrain um but of what happens a lot is they get sick from being tired and working so much so we said this year we're going to try our best to have a second shift into mainly in the warehouse and to help with the um 
the processing and the, the cracking and the shelling so that they're not working 70, 80 hours a week. And we tried to have a second shift and it, it flat did not work out. Okay. Um, we could not find the, the like 12 or 14 people that we need to come in at a time to be on time and dependable and care about what they're doing like our staff does that every day. And so we, we sat down and we talked and we said, you know what? This is what we wanted to do. It didn't work. Let's go back to our roots that we've done for 10 years. Even though we wanted to make a big change, it didn't work. And that's okay. Yeah, that's that's important to learn to know kind of when to cut your losses or to say, well, this might work if we tweak just a little thing. And to, to know which route to go is not always a trivial trivial thing. Yeah, and, and to um, be okay with that's what we wanted. That's how we wanted it to do, and it didn't work out. You just have to kind of let it go and know that your plan didn't work, and that's all right. Just keep on trucking along. Yeah, I just read an article this morning um, about – People who are successful, a large percentage of them, I, I was half asleep at 5.30 when I read this, <laughs> but, but uh, people that are successful, a large percentage of those read a ton of books. Do you read any books that maybe help you run the business? Um, honestly, I don't read a lot of books. I read a lot of um, industry magazines, industry okay. websites. But as far, I, I just, I read about that too, and I thought, I should read more. Um, but I don't, I read about, I like to read books. Of, I, I like to read the Pecan South magazine about pecans and okay. harvesting and what's going on. And Seems very relevant to um, your business. I like to read retail magazines about displaying products and about uh, managing employees. Uh, so I would say I'd read more magazines. Okay. Well, that counts well. You're keeping tuned into your industry, though. Sure. Definitely good. Then than books. Okay. We're running uh, really short on time. We just got a few minutes to go, but uh, one last fun question. Um, I always uh, am surprised at people that sell things and they say that, hey, a customer came in and told me this crazy weird way they're using a product that they never imagined. Do you ever get that? What, give me some silly stories of people doing something goofy with a pecan that you never imagined. Anything, anything come to mind? Um, maybe not pecans, pecan oil. I sell pecan oil and I hear they put it in your coffee to take the bitterness out. Okay. And if pecan oil is very expensive and I hear polishing furniture. Whereas, to me, I'm selling pecan oil as a salad dressing or to stir fry with. Um, i trying to think if there's anything with pecans that anyone's doing anything crazy with. Okay. All right. Yeah, just figured I'd throw that out sure. there because you get some crazy, crazy answers sometimes. Yeah. Well, very cool. Well, thanks, uh, thanks for stopping in, uh, Jennifer. Um, this has been cool. I've, I've learned a lot. This has been, been a lot of fun. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I have a feeling out there, listeners, that we're going to be hearing more of uh, Birdall Pecans in the next few episodes. So, cool. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you guys next time. Before we go, though, give one shout-out to your website and your phone numbers and your social medias and all of this kind of stuff. At birdall.com. That's B-E-R-D, not, not bird as in a flying thing, but B-E-R-D-O-L-L.com. Correct. Our phone number is 1-800-518-3870. Okay. And then we're on uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. All of those things. Yes. Hashtag Birdall Pecans. Very cool. And um, at Birdall Pecan Candy and Gift Company. If you're uh, traveling along Highway 71, just about 25 or so miles east of Austin, stop in at Birdall's Pecans. And what's the f- the official formula name? Birdall Pecans? Birdall Pecan Candy and Gift Company. Candy and Gift Company. Yeah. Very cool. Well, thanks for listening and thanks for being here, Jennifer. Thank you so much. Cool. See you next time, guys.
Fox, and thank you for listening to the Lum Innovation Podcast, where we shine a light on innovation, creativity, entrepreneurship, and the creative people who make our world a better and more interesting place to live.